Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, September 24th. Ryder Cup is on TV. I'd recommend watching it. This is podcast called Breakaway. We break away from the group think, talking heads, the mainstream media. We are not red. We are not blue, left or right. We're just trying to be rational, try to apply that ration to the markets, figure out how to make a buck or two and not lose anything if possible while we're at it. So here we go. I'm in my kitchen. Sorry if the uh, sound is a little different or echoey. I'm trying something new. I want to just kind of have some more inspiration so I got more windows here and I can overlook my pool, watch it evaporate hundreds of gallons of water. And uh, while we're trying to conserve it in California, I probably just lost a bunch of listeners on that one that are completely offended. Just speaking the truth though. And everyone else who has a pool is in the same situation as I am. First world problems. Okay, so what do I want to talk about? Uh, Ryder Cup, real quick. That's the. It's every two years. It's the best players from Europe, best players from the United States in golf. They play each other. It's insanely entertaining. Some of these shots these guys are doing are unbelievable, and they just panned in on Michael Jordan, who is there with Mod Rashad, and I am torn up right now because I saw an interview with Michael Jordan and he claimed that he played 36 holes of golf every single day. I think he also claimed he smoked six cigars a day, not necessarily during the golf. But then the announcer at the Ryder Cup just said that Michael Jordan plays 54 holes of golf a day. That's a big difference. (laughs) Just throwing on another 18 holes you know, for anybody who golfs knows knows what I'm talking about. Big deal. By the way, first time Phil Mickelson's not in the Ryder Cup since 1995. 2005, 2015, 21. I mean, what is that? 25 years? Remember, the Ryder Cup only happens every two years. I'm so entertained by this thing. I'm going to already plan out my trip in uh, 2025 to the Ryder Cup. If, it, if, if not for anything else, just to go say what up to Michael Jordan. Okay, markets. Take a breath here. I should talk about the markets. They're up. I hope you're invested. We are year-to-date. If you're just in a broad U.S. stock market uh, fund or S&P 500, which is basically 95% correlated to the U.S. stock market, you're up 19% year-to-date. That is huge. Markets have been a little wibbly-wobbly this week, uh, down a ton. I actually thought we were going to have a correction. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was going down. I was like, go, go down, baby, go. And I was kind of ready for it to go down like maybe 10%, and then I was going to start buying. I have some cash on the sideline. Don't necessarily recommend that everybody do that, but I just happen to have a little bit. So I was going to buy, 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 but then boom, Thursday, Friday, market's up, up, up. So anyway, the point is, if you're going to invest, invest for the long run. Don't follow what's going on day to day. The market's returned 10% on average over the last 100 plus years that we've been measuring. That means you'll double your money in seven years at a 10% return. Uh, quadruple your money in in 14 years, 8x your money in in, in 21 years. I hope I got all that right. Somebody can go check my math. Um, we're debating right now 3.5 trillion dollar uh, package in the the in the Senate. It's not the Senate, the House of uh, Representatives, whatever Congress. I mean, 3.5 trillion. I remember back in the 2008-09 financial crisis, there was this huge debate about 500 billion. Remember, like, the Treasury Secretary and Henry Paulson came out, and he's all, uh, I've got my $500 billion bazooka to save the economy. And now we just throw around, like, trillions of dollars like it's just nothing. Like, it's just, it's like it's nothing. And I really hope it is nothing. I hope that this doesn't just come crashing down upon us. 
And, and what I mean by that is the United States, we're literally like printing money and the government just spend, 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 spend. And at the end of the day, we actually have debts. We have like what's called two-sided bookkeeping. So when you spend money, you record a liability on the other side. And we eventually have to pay those liabilities back. And I, I guess my grandkids are going to pay those. Um, other interesting news, uh, a lot of Haitians apparently are, are taking up uh, camps in Del Rio, Texas. And there's videos of them just literally running across the the river like our borders are literally open i wasn't for the big wall that trump was talking about it just doesn't sound good but to be honest and i never really knew much about it. i think most americans really understood it either it's like this wall let's build a giant you know like the great chinese wall let's build a great american wall between here and mexico it just doesn't sound good right um but now when you see all we see these guys like literally like hundreds a day or there's some saying thousands a day who knows running across the river just it's kind of like, oh, maybe we should stop them. But um, anyhow, I'm not saying I don't really want to opine on, on, on immigration or go there in this podcast, but it is a little nutso. But on the front page of the New York, New York Times, and yes, I do read the New York Times. Some people might think I'm right-leaning. I am fully independent, though. It says uh, they're interviewing this guy. He's 40 years old. His name's Inso Isaac, front page of the New York Times here. It says he left Haiti years ago, and he was living in Chile. Chile's near and dear to my heart because my wife is from Chile. I've lived in Chile myself for three years. It says until, uh, he was living in Chile until he and his wife and their two-year-old son made the dangerous journey across several countries and arrived last week in Del Rio. Several countries? Well, no kidding, dude. Do you know how far away Chile is? It's like the other side of the world. Okay, so I don't even know how he got here. Did he walk up across all those countries and then up through Central America and then up through uh, Mexico? From Anyway, that's like thousands and thousands of miles. And, and by the way, I would just have stayed in Chile. I think Chile is like a really nice place and a beautiful, beautiful country. And I could definitely see myself retiring there. I anticipate that we will, when my kids go to college, probably have another, like another home there. Um, my, my wife's entire family and parents still live there. So why wouldn't we? Anyway, I love Chile. I can't believe the guy just cruised all the way up here to come to the United States. Uh, anyway, so grass always green on their side of the fence, I guess. Newsom wants to spend, uh, Governor Newsom, he's the guy who, uh, the dictator of Governor Newsom of California. He's the guy who, de- who just, uh, defeated his, the bid to recall him. He actually won kind of resoundingly. I think he got two-thirds of the vote, basically people saying, keep him in. Keep him in. We like homelessness. We like lawlessness. We like um, wearing masks the rest of our lives. And we like uh, schools closed. And we like it when you shut down businesses on a whim. And so that's kind of what we voted for. So, but... (laughs) Yeah, if you can't not be a little facetious here, I, I did vote to recall him mostly because I'm against... I voted for him, by the way, um, and I voted to recall him. But I was against businesses shut down. I don't think anybody should be allowed to shut down businesses. I could argue maybe a month, but not six months. You just can't arbitrarily shut down businesses and ruin people's lives, and that's what he did. Now he wants to spend $15 billion on the environment. So get this. I'm all for it, baby. $15 billion for the environment. I am an environmentalist, believe it or not. And so there you go. You can't say I'm a hardcore red Republican right leaning because I'm all for the environment. If he wants to spend 15 billion, I'm not, I haven't read all the details of what he's going to spend it on or where the money's coming from, but I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm against pollution. I'm all for conserving environment. I'm for parks, recreation, love being outside. sounds like a good deal, but here's where 
the environmentalists, if you will, need to need to reconcile some things. So the other, so we have like I think, hopefully I'm correct on my facts here. I think there's one nuclear power plant still uh, running in, in California, and we're in the process of shutting it down. It's called Diablo Canyon, and I was just trying to run some numbers here. It it, it, it generates 2,100 megawatts of power. It's nuclear, and that that's enough to to, to run anywhere from one to two million homes. So not unsubstantial okay so the problem is nuclear sounds bad because you think of these meltdowns um like that the one in um fukushima in japan obviously total disaster uh you think of what three mile island in new york and uh chernobyl great documentary on hbo highly recommend it go watch if you haven't seen chernobyl it's really 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 disturbing though so yeah so there's three instances of just like total disaster, but everything I read here, listen to, says that nuclear is one of the safest energies out there, cleanest, totally clean, and now they've got uh, methods and ways of, of containing and treating the waste that comes from kind of the used plutonium and that kind of thing. So environmentalists need to kind of reconcile, if we take away this power plant, where do you think the energy is going to come from? Is it going to come from coal-fired power plants? And obviously, you know, we, we need to move over the long term to 100% solar, wind, renewable. I'm all for that. But in the near term, I think we should keep nuclear around as long as it's safe. And it sounds like it is. Okay, so go Newsom, go environment, but keep the nuclear power plants running until we can replace them with clean energy. And right now we can't. Okay, I'm going to talk about China. Uh, Xi Jinping, he's like the all ruler of China. There's a lot going on in China right now. And if you own China stocks and have looked at them, they're, they're like doing pretty bad. I own a bunch of Alibaba and it's down, I want to say like 50% since the beginning of this year. Not good. No bueno. Uh, Jack Ma was at one time one of the richest people in the world and was the richest, one of the richest uh, people, persons in China. He is the CEO of of uh, Alibaba. And so he just disappeared. This is kind of old news, but it's just, it kind of feeds into my other points. He just disappeared for like three months. Now he comes back and he's like doing paintings. He's like Bob Ross. Okay. The guys, I mean, who knows what the government did to him, but they basically clearly sent a sign to all these business leaders that you guys might be rich but we're in charge. The government is strongly in charge. This is scared investors. People are bailing. And now people are starting to talk about, like, when you do own a company like JD.com, Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent, these are really big Chinese, you know, billion, trillion dollar companies. And the way you own them is through what's called like ADRs. It's like an American depository receipt. Okay, let's not go there. It's super complicated. But there, and I don't even understand this. I've just heard and, and kind of read high level this. But you, you basically, some of the ways that you own these companies are through these complex variable interest entity structures that are like based in the Bahamas and blah 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 blah. And at the end of the day, like you don't really have any vo- <laughs> any voting rights. They don't really have to pay any dividends if they don't want to. And I think people are realizing like, wow, I really don't even own this company. Now, does that even matter? I don't know. I mean, people bid up millions and millions of dollars for NFTs and crypto and, and all sorts of other assets that really don't have any other value. So, I mean, if you own some stock that theoretically is worthless in a Chinese company or theoretically you have no ownership of that company, 
yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so so that's that's driving the markets down in China. And then this Evergrande, Evergrande or Evergrande is the largest real estate company in China. And they just defaulted on an interest payment of $83.5 million that was due this week. And that's a lot of money. And now the question is, is China going to bail them out? And then just yesterday, China has outlawed all crypto-related transactions, which sent all the cryptocurrencies, you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Doggycoin, Doge, all that stuff uh, went uh, tumbling down over 10%. I'm sure it'll be back up 10 or 20%. I'm still buying on a weekly basis, crypto. And uh, it's kind of fun. I'm kind of getting addicted to this Coinbase app. Not good, not good. Anyway, a lot, lot going on in China. Second largest economy in the world. And I uh, got to keep your eye on it. I had a couple... I'm writing a, a blog. My goal is to post it by tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. It's already Friday afternoon. Uh, but I was uh, discussing something with two prospective clients. Uh, one of them, actually, they're both clients. They both, two new clients this week. Unbelievable. Great job, Sean. Pat on the back. But um, I'm looking at their investments. They're sent, you know, because when you get a client, they show you where all their money's invested and you kind of look at it and go, okay, blah, blah, blah. This is what we should do. Well, one of them's got money at Wells Fargo. I'll tell you the fund. It's called the Wells Fargo Omega Growth A. And it's done pretty well. It's up 16% year to date. Notice I said earlier, though, that just the S&P, just if you're just in the normal U.S. stock market, you're up uh, 19%. So get this, the expense ratio. And I was like, what's the expense ratio? It's how much the fund charges you. Okay, so it's 1.28%, which is absolutely like bonkers and insane. Okay, because if you want to just go buy an S&P 500 stock, ETF, you can buy it from Spider, Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab. They all have them, okay? And you're going to pay 0.03%, okay? That's also called a basis point, or that would, be, that would be three basis points if you want to learn some finance terminology there. So if you're paying 1.28%, you're, you're paying 128 basis points. I just got my calculator here. If I do 128 divided by 3, 42 it's actually 42.667, so we'll just call it 43. So you're paying 43 times the expense, the cost, to be in this fund. It's insane. And it's not even doing as well as the one that you could pay 46 times less to be in. Basically, you're in it for free. And this is the racket, man. This is finance. You could take... I don't know how many finance professionals there are in the United States. Let's say there's 10 million. You could rack down that number down 80%, just leave it at 2 million, and we'd be fine. Like there's so many people doing jobs that just make absolutely no difference. And this is one of them. I hope the, I hope the manager of this fund's not listening. He's probably gonna be offended. It's not his fault though, or her fault. They just grew up in this world and ended up where they are where they are. And he's actually doing a good job. He's probably actively picking stocks. And so you need people, you need, we need actively managed stocks too, but you should never be paying 1.28%. People are like, what does that 1.28% mean? It means if you earn $10 or 10%, if the fund earns 10%, they actually take off 1.3. So really you're only getting 8.7%. Bad, 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 bad. And then the other one was same thing. They're, they had their investments managed by Ameriprise. One of their investments was in the Harding Levner International Equity Investments. Blah, 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 blah. 1.13%. Okay, 
anything over 0.7 in an actively managed fund is ridiculous. So 1.13%, no good. Uh, Ray Dalio, and then and, and that's kind of like those two examples are kind of like your retail folks, but then you even have like your rich, 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 rich folks, smart, smart, smart money, you know, Wall Street CEOs, they all want to invest in these hedge funds. Okay, so Ray Dalio has the biggest hedge fund in the world. It's called Bridgewater Capital. He's one of the richest guys in the world. He's worth billions. California Pension, one of California Pension Companies is dropping his, his uh, what's it called, Alpha? Uh, something Alpha. Alpha Fund. Anyway, it's returned 4.5% over the last 20 years on average. On average per year, 4.5%. And then I went back and ran just the U.S. stock market. If you just were in the U.S. stock market, like I just said, a plain old index fund that charges you 0.03%, basically free, you returned like 8 or 9%, depending on when you start from. So basically, double. Double what Ray Dalio's returned. And by the way, Ray Dalio would school me on so many things. He's really, really, really highly, highly intelligent, okay? Not trying to knock him. I'm just saying his... Alpha Fund has returned 4.5% in the last 20 years, and that's where all the rich, 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 smart, smart, smart people go and put their money. And if they just put their money in just the plain old boring U.S. stock market cheap index fund, they would have doubled what Ray Dalio did for the uh, suits of Wall Street. Uh, Netflix, you guys, if you listen to my podcast, you know I, I love Netflix, partly because I sacrificed, gave, slaved, bled, sweat, and six years of my life there. And I wouldn't take it back uh, for anything in the world. I learned so much there. It was an amazing experience. Worked with a lot of amazing people and a bunch of duds too. I <laughs> uh, got some funny stories there. Um, anyway, so they have their stock price hit all-time highs this week, or was it last week? Either way, they exceeded $600. Now there's people with price targets of like $750. Go, baby, go. Run, baby, run. There's a few things going on there. One, Netflix took, uh, for the first time on record, they they had 44 Emmys, which I think it ties a record set by CBS, which is obviously traditional network television. Like CBS set that record in 1974, I think I read. Okay, so now Netflix, the whole streaming you know, company, the new streamers, think Netflix, Amazon, uh, Disney. Now it's like, it's like the in with the old, or no, in with the new, out with the old type of thing. So my point is what's running Netflix's stock up a little bit? I think there's a whole bunch of little things going on. One, you got the Emmys. Two, they have uh, acquired the rights to this Roald Dahl guy. He did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, big friendly giant, all this stuff. I am all for Netflix acquiring IP because IP takes, and they're trying to develop it on their own, but IP takes years and years and years for people to kind of become emotionally attached to it. That's why I think Netflix really botched it by not acquiring MGM. There was so much IP, particularly James Bond, um, in MGM that Netflix could have acquired for $5 billion, which is basically um, a rounding error at this point on their stock price or their market cap. Uh, what else is going on there? They announced that they're going to be doing, I'm really excited. The, 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 oh, Reed Hastings made a comment that they would be open to bidding on Formula One. If you know they've got this show, um, it's kind of like back scenes of Formula One. And the, I think I'm repeating myself. I think I said this all last podcast. But basically the um, CEO of was it McLaren said that Formula One on Netflix has been the single most important driver to viewership for Formula One. 
and has accrued you know millions of dollars to just the Formula One world by way of new advertising, that type of thing. And so now Reed's even saying that they wouldn't be opposed to bidding on the rights to show Formula One. Wouldn't that be cool? Finally getting into some sports, and then I might have... It's like, am I reading my notes from my last podcast? And golf, you know, kind of they're going to do a behind-the-scenes golf next year. They haven't announced with who, but I'm really excited to see that if you're a golf fan it's going to be good. Even if you're not a golf fan, it could be good because it's going to be like in following these players in their homes with their families in during their training regime. And then of course on the tour kind of behind the scenes should be really cool. So, and, and then finally, I think Disney CEO, Bob Chappett came out on some at a conference on Tuesday and said that they're probably not going to hit their guidance in terms of, so Disney may not hit their guidance in terms of subscriptions this quarter. So it's been a little harder than they thought it was going to be, a little bumpier bumps in the road. And Well, no kidding, Disney. They gave away like half their subscriptions for free if you like had Verizon, and there's all these other deals that you got, it, and it's really cheap. And now, as some of those free deals start to go away, and they start to raise prices, and they figure out it's really hard to film during COVID, and they realize, or if you buy Disney, the only thing you can watch is Star Wars and Marvel, yeah, um, it's going to be a tough road, Disney. And plus, you got to go get in the other 190 countries around the world, languages, etc. Finally, I want to talk about GM and Tesla. <laughs> I just mentioned Tesla. It's like if I have a podcast without mentioning Tesla and Netflix, I should just rename my podcast Tesla Netflix. Netflix Tesla. GM Bolt Recall. So GM is like only. <laughs> so GM has just been talking about GM and Ford for that matter. All they talk about is how electric vehicles are the future of the industry, and they're pivoting and. And then you got Biden, and he's inviting GM and Ford. He did this conference this week where he's got like a GM car and a Ford car behind him, and he's saying how we're going to move everything to electric vehicles. And it's just it's 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 like painfully obvious that he doesn't have Tesla president. And it's all because Elon Musk moved to Texas and is is and has has bumped heads kind of with I think uh, you know the left a little bit, uh, but he's trying to walk a fine line. So. Back to my point, the GM Bolt, it's like the only electric car GM has right now, and they had to recall them all, every one of them. And get this, I'm going to just read this. This is from uh, New York Times. GM on Monday, so I think it was Monday this week, reiterated instructions. So these cars are catching fire, okay? <laughs> like, okay, I'm just going to read this. This is nuts. Okay, GM on Monday reiterated instructions that owners should move their Bolt outside immediately after charging and not park it inside overnight. Uh, hello, I, I guess you're not leaving your car in your garage. Most people actually drive their car into their garage and charge it. Nope. It says move your bolt outside Im- immediately after charging it and do not park it inside overnight. Why? Because it might catch fire and burn your house down. Um, quoting here again. They are also instructed to avoid charging the battery to more than 90% capacity or allowing the range to drop below 70 miles. I mean, are you kidding me? So you can't charge it above 90%, and you also can't let it go down to a certain percent, which they're measuring in miles. I mean, this is GM's only electric car. I might be wrong. I feel like they just had a Hummer come out that's electric. But maybe it's the like, only electric car. And this is a complete, unmitigated disaster. Capital D-I-S. Okay, here's another quote. GM last week gave additional instructions that owners should park at least 50 50- I can't even read this. They should park at least 50 feet from other cars and use only top-level open-air decks of parking garages. 
This is no freaking joke, by the way. This is I'm not. This isn't the onion that I'm reading out of. This is the. This is what GM said. GM last week gave additional instructions that owners should park at least 50 feet from other cars. Uh, yeah, that's practical. And use only top-level open-air decks of parking garages. So then if you go to the parking garage, you got to go around in circles and circles and circles until you get to the top and park out there in the sun. I mean, how completely ridiculous and, and, and just silly and stupid and, oh, I feel bad for GM. Boy, are they learning the hard way, though. Wow. In terms of recommendations, don't have a lot new. I did finally finish... Uh, Liftoff, uh, it's kind of the book of SpaceX origin story. It's completely fascinating. Just just learning more about Elon Musk's management style, and I think if you work for him, you you one you have to really really know your shit to work with him, and and he's gonna he's gonna push you to your limits, and and you're gonna work a lot. You're gonna work no less than 60 hours a week, but it's going to be an amazing experience. And it's, you know, it's really good if it's kind of like the right time in your life. Um, I would, I would love to work with or for him would love to. Um, And very intensive. It's like working next to the sun. It's just amazing too. the whole story. They, They almost went bankrupt so many different times. And on their fourth launch of Falcon one, like literally if that rocket did not reach orbit, they were they were gone. They were bankrupt, and they, every employee at the company knew that. And it's just, oh, it's just such a good read. And then it, obviously they, they reached orbit and made it. And what they don't talk about is Tesla, because the whole time it's like he's CEO, chief engineering officer at at a SpaceX, but the whole time he's also running Tesla. And the one thing they do mention is like literally in the same week he was going to go bankrupt at Tesla. It was going, Tesla was basically bankrupt, and then they got they secured additional funding, and so Tesla did not go bankrupt and. You know, the rest is history. It's now more valuable than all other car companies put together. Only other recommendation I'd say for now is go watch the Ryder Cup. It's really entertaining, even if you're not into golf. It's just fun seeing the personalities. I think that their uh, NBC is doing a great job uh, kind of narrating it and showing what's going on. And go United States. I think we're going to win this year. All right, everyone. Have a great weekend. And go ahead and uh, give me five stars. Appreciate that. And send me an email, sean at hathawayfinancial.com. And we'll chat. And you can come on the podcast. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.